Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Zurich Classic, a very fun, unique event on the PGA Tour schedule. And joining me to break it all down is Sia Najad. Sia, we are kicking off a marathon day on the First Cut Pod. Not one, but two different live episodes today. Usually, we spread these out on Monday and Tuesday. We're packing two into Tuesday, baby. Yeah, well, salaries didn't come out, so it was one of those things where we didn't have much of a choice. So, Rick, you're going to be working really hard today. I already see there's a question in the chat about uh, the the mega preview, which I assume is at the regular time. Right? Yes. Yeah, so the way that this broke down is that uh, we normally do the Monday DFS preview at 5.30 Eastern on Monday, and salaries were not out. And they just, they didn't come out until I want to say, I don't know what time it was, but a little bit later than that. So what we decided to do was uh, move this pod to Tuesday morning, and the mega preview pod will still be 5 p.m. Eastern time. So that has not changed for Tuesday. If you want to catch it live, if you're catching it on demand, you don't really care about these announcements that I am making. One announcement that you do care about is that the link in the description for the fan one and done uh, is there. And it has been there since yesterday. So there has been no change in really anything else. See business as usual, like 90% of the way. Yeah. Other than what we're about to get into, which is a very unique uh, partnered up event. So, I mean, I, I'm actually really curious to see how this show goes, Rick, because it, the pricing is really unique. Some of these teams, and we'll get into it right, right off the bat. Some of these teams are priced in kind of a, a funny way. It's kind of hard to make lineups. It pushes you down into that low seven K range. If you want to grab some guys up top. So just from a strategy standpoint, I think this is going to be a really interesting show. Yeah, well, let's talk about the format and the changes right out of the gate here. So the Zurich Classic is a it's a team event. They are there are 80 teams of two, 160 golfers. After Friday's round, that will be cut to the top 33 and tie. So there is a cut in this event. And Sia, the 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 big difference that's going to keep well, there's a lot of big differences, but the thing that's going to keep these guys on their toes is that uh, there are two different formats in play. Thursday is four ball or best ball. And then Friday is alternate shot. And then back on Saturday, they go to best ball. Sunday is alternate shot. So two days, you're going to see super low scores, like 59 watch type of scores. And then two days, uh, you know, anything under par is going to be very, very good. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because what, what does that mean? Well, obviously you want two golfers that are golfing really well, right? But on those days, on those best ball days, Thursday and Saturday, those are going to be the days where a lot of these teams, I think, are going to separate themselves. Historically, Rick, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's what we see. So when you get, you know, those 59 watches, because both guys get to play their ball and you just get the better score, um, you, you want to make sure you're piling up points there. So that might kind of factor into the teams you select. There's a lot of luck, admittedly, in the four ball 
stage of things, you know, if you are Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley and you each make five birdies on your own ball, you want them to be on five different holes each and get 10 birdies. If you make them on the same five holes, you both played very well, yet you didn't get the most out of your round. So there is a level of luck to it. The alternate shot format, there, there's just nowhere to hide, Sia, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got to play the shot that your partner puts you in and you get no do-overs. You don't have anybody else to lean on. Like that is a very challenging format in general. We see it in the Ryder Cup. We see it in the President's Cup. We we know it because these guys sometimes play different golf balls and there's a trust level. And it, there, there's a lot going on in that format that will be very, very testing. Yeah, which makes it hard because let, let, let's let's take an example off the top. Billy Horschel with Sam Burns, historically very good in this tournament, and they, they're, they're priced really high. We'll get to them in a second, but Horschel's been in really bad form. So when you get to that alternate shot component, are you just kind of leaning on, well, Billy Horschel's been good here, or are you leaning on the fact that I don't know if he's going to hold up his end of the bargain? And those are that, that's a top-tier team. Those are the sort of the, the, the mental progressions you have to go through as you go down the price tiers. The other thing to consider with this format is that no matter which partner you choose, if you want to play the team of Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley, it doesn't matter which one you pick. They will receive the same number of fantasy points, no matter what their on-course contributions are, and they are both priced the same. So both, uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to show the cheat sheet in just a second. Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley are both $11,100. It doesn't matter which one you choose, Sia, because the points are, are going to be equal. The salary is going to be equal. The other thing is you can't stack teams, right? You can't get both Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley. They will not allow you to do that. You can only choose at most one golfer from every single team when you're building your lineups. Right. One set of pairs. And, and the good news is you won't be able to save that team if you accidentally make the mistake of of selecting both Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley, for example. So it is weird when you're kind of scrolling through, whether it's your phone or your computer, and you're seeing like twice, like two of the same thing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, it obviously works out. It does work out. Okay, we are going to start talking about these teams. There's a lot of them, so we've got to talk through kind of both sides of a lot of different teams. So we're going to jump right into it. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Uh, Producer Josh, please share my screen. That would be very splendid. Thank you very much. This is my website, rickrungood.com. And this is the cheat sheet. And look at these beauties. See, before we jump into this, where it made sense, I aggregated the teams together, right? So I I, I have a, a line item on the cheat sheet for both. It says Patrick Cantlay 
and Xander Shoffley, and their mm-hmm. stats are aggregated. So as we go through this, in spots where it made sense, like the power rankings and here on the cheat sheet and other places, like you might see teams together, which I think is a, a good way to look at it. It's a fun, unique way. I mean, look, you can still look at everybody individually, but I thought this was a, a better way to find strengths and weaknesses. Can I ask you is, so for example, Sung J.M. and Keith Mitchell weren't partners last year. Um, right. How would one look at that that line? Very carefully. Yeah. Okay. So this is, uh, so obviously the metrics are their own individual metrics aggregated together. But for example, like their 2022 history, that is Sung J.M.'s finishing position and Keith Mitchell's finishing position doesn't necessarily mean that they played together. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So the admittedly the history part is like the, and, and, and there's only, um, there's only so many teams that have history together. Like we'll look at the Wyndham Clark and Bo Hostler team. They've played in this uh, event combined five times, but they've never played together. So that's mm-hmm. just an added wrinkle of all of this, trying to figure out, do these guys have experience? Do they have the proper rapport, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So the $10,000 teams, uh, no surprise about who leads the way. It's Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley are defending champions at $11,100. Colin Morikawa and Max Homa are together at $10,900. Sung J.M. and Keith Mitchell at $10,004. And then Sahith and Justin Suh are the flat $10,000. They get the nod as the fourth highest priced team in this field. So um, we got some boppers up here, Sia. What do we want to do? Can I just say, I'm a Sahith fan, and I think Justin Suz has uh, plenty of upside. What what are we doing here ahead of Billy Horschel and Sam Burns of all teams? And Siwoo Kim and Tom Kim, that's also like a little questionable, but Billy and Sam? That's weird. This is a bizarre, this is a bizarre pricing. Uh, there are, there's a few very bizarre prices, <laughs> uh, to be quite honest with you. Th- this one, Sahith and Justin Sa, which I, I, I agree. I like both of these guys. They are both big time birdie makers. I think, I think Sahith is inside the top 20 and birdie or better. Uh, Justin Sa is inside the top 50, which in this field is much, much better than that. And I, I like that in this format, but them being $10,000 is, um, fairly egregious, which now <laughs> after I say that, I'm sure they'll win and I'm sure they'll make a bunch of uh, birdies along the way. But yeah, there, there are at least a half a dozen teams that I would have put ahead of them. It's funny because, and I'll get to the 10 K teams in a second, but I remember when I was just doing my research before pricing came out, I was just looking at the teams. I was thinking to myself, Oh, I wonder where JJ spawn and Hayden Buckley are going to be. They'll probably be like eight K or 8,200. Again, I wasn't really like, I wasn't doing pricing tiers. It was just, that's, that was the number that popped in my head. And so when pricing came out, I saw they were 9,200 and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> no value, uh, not a lot of value there. But uh, so here's the thing. It's interesting that you have projected ownership up because we know pricing yep. came out late. So obviously this is going to adjust a little bit, but good for you for, for having this up on your site. I think this Cantlay Shoffley number actually could go up from 40%. Just a hunch because I just don't think, I think people will be trying to be clever with their lineups and maybe walk away from that from that tandem but when it comes down to finalizing their lineups, I just think so many people, and I'm talking about the single entry three max people. Obviously, there's maybe a touch more game theory that people invest in with the 150 max, but it is hard to walk away from that team. Now, that doesn't mean all my lineups are going to have Xander and Patrick Cantley. What I'm suggesting is that team, I think, could border 50% when it's all said and done. This team, so... The caveat being there is a lot of chaos. There is a lot of luck. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of guys who can make a lot of birdies in this tournament. 
this team is very clearly the best team in this field, and it's 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 not particularly close. Not both close. Of, yeah, both of them are playing phenomenal golf. If you aggregate their stats over the last 36 rounds, they're gaining nearly two strokes per round together. It's insanity. There's a huge gap between them and Colin Morikawa and Max Homa, and then those four are the only four two teams that are gaining at least a stroke per round during that time frame, and, and can't land Xander nearly have that that doubled up. Um, then you start looking through it and say, okay, well, what's their history? Well, they've they've played this event um, a handful of times together. They've got three top 11s, and obviously the the win last year. They have a ton of experience in Ryder Cups and Presidents Cups uh, together. I mean, th- these two are basically the gold standard of. Um, alternate shot at the moment, right? You know, what once was, I think Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth kind of held that. We saw the Tommy Fleetwood, Frankie Molinari at a Ryder Cup go, like these guys are now basically the gold standard and they have zero questions while while the other teams, even like a Max Homa, Colin Morikawa team, they have questions. Yes. Right? Max Homa has not been up to his form and maybe he gets a spark playing with a, another Cal guy, another Dodgers fan, another maybe this format's good for him. But there's questions on this team. Homa's lost strokes from tee to green in his last three starts. So I, I I don't know what I'll end up doing. There's a lot of game theory involved in, in DFS lineups, but it, in a vacuum, it is very clear that Cantlay and Xander are the best team. What I will say as it relates to Morikawa and Max Homa is – I'm willing to disregard recent form when it comes to sort of the superstar caliber player. And you people might take umbrage with the whole, well, Max Homa might not be a superstar. But, I mean, I think he's close enough. I like how you clicked on Chad Collins. Yeah, right? Chad Collins just got his first ever, like, DFS, <laughs> like, any – I typed in C-O-L-L, tried to click Colin Morikawa, clicked Chad Collins. He made his first ever – here, here here he is. His first ever appearance. He has missed six straight cuts. Last played the Veritex Bank Championship. That was last week. Not great stuff from Chad Collins. Much, much better from Colin Morikawa. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, T-64 at the Rocket Mortgage, though. Uh, yeah, so when it comes to Colin and, and specifically Max Homa, because he's the one that really hasn't been playing well. Uh, I'm willing to sort of disregard the recent form more than I would a guy in like the 7K or 8K range, for example. Um, Keith Mitchell is a guy we'll talk about where the recent form, it's a little harder to ignore because he's not that caliber of player as Max Homa. But I think Colin Morikawa and, and Max Homa are a fine pivot. I mean, the problem is they're, they're also very popular. So for tournaments, you're not getting a gigantic discount, but you are getting a pretty big one at the end of the day. I mean, I, I do think most lineups are going to start with one of these two teams. Yeah, and I think the idea of starting, or excuse me, uh, giving the benefit of the doubt to a to an elite golfer to get back to their 100-round baseline without having to play back into it, that is something we've seen plenty of evidence in in the mm-hmm. last couple of years, right? The, these elite guys can usually get back to it. So uh, I agree with you. I tend to give the benefit of the doubt to, to Max Homa over some of these guys further down the board that we're, we're, we're probably not going to be able to do that. So here, here's that Sungjae Keith Mitchell group. Uh, from what I understand, they just made this official like last week or the week before. So this came together pretty late. You mentioned it. Uh, Mitchell has, has not been good. He finished um, pretty, pretty sour at the match play. He did not get out of his group. I don't even think he, he won a point 53rd at the masters, but the T to green stuff was pretty ugly. And then he missed the cut at the RBC heritage. So he's been bleeding strokes from T to green, which is very unlike Keith Mitchell. Yeah, this is, this is really <laughs> quite bad. And I, I question his ability to rebound. Although I do think, well, first of all, we know he has pretty good experience here. I mean, he, he was T four with Brant Snedeker, I believe in 2021. So there's at least something to be said for that, given who his partner was. 
But I mean, I do think there's some upside with Keith, Keith Mitchell. I do think it's possible he turns it around. And he does have that bomber component where Sung J.M. is not like a super, super short hitter, but he's certainly not going to have the length. And I do think they complement each other pretty well if Keith Mitchell can find that ball striking. So I like I could see myself, let's say I build five lineups. I could see myself starting one of those lineups with Sung J.M. and Keith Mitchell and just going down from there. So here's the here's the profile for the Justin uh, Sahith team. And Justin Suh, again, just like a ton of question marks on a top-tier team. Justin Suh had that really good run from Honda to the players and has fallen off a cliff since then. I mean, his approach play has been horrible. He's lost 10 strokes on approach in his last three starts. Uh, just Tita Green, he's lost 24 strokes in his last two starts. One of them is the match play. Write it off if you want. How about the 15 that he lost last week at the RBC Heritage, right? Like these these are pretty massive numbers on a team that you're being asked to pay $10,000 for. You just so casually mentioned, oh, if you want to write off the 15 strokes, <laughs> he lost T to green at the RBC Heritage. I mean, good the gracious. That's unbelievable. That had to have been one of the worst in the field. I, forgive me. I don't want you to necessarily go back, but that's that's deplorable. So, okay, good. We get to, we get to, yeah, see we'll, it. we'll get, we'll get to see it here. So now the thing is he probably did this mostly. Yeah. It was the worst in the field. I imagine because he made the cut, I imagine there was one really disastrous round. I mean, uh, it would have been here. No, I guess his weekend was pretty bad. He lost 3.8 on Saturday, and then on Sunday, he lost seven. So his weekend was horrible. Uh, wow. Yeah. Imagine. That, that. That's always – you get a guy making the cut, you're feeling pretty good about your six of six, and then he does that. Yeah. Uh, that's just standard DFS there. Absolutely. You know, I won't be I won't be touching the the Sahith um Sa team. If I'm gonna take a chance on a team, it's probably in that 10k range, it's probably what what I just mentioned, hoping that of 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 the two, Keith Mitchell versus Justin Sa, I trust Keith Mitchell and his partner to bounce back more than I trust Justin Sa's bounce back with his partner. So I think Sahith and, and Sa are, are certainly overpriced, and I just trust the veterans of Sung Jay and Keith here. The 9k range. Uh, has some interesting teams, whether they are priced accurately is a different conversation, but it has Siwoo Kim and Tom Kim, Billy Horschel, Sam Burns, Wyndham Clark with Bo Hostler, JJ Spawn with Hayden Buckley, Kurt Kitayama with Taylor Montgomery, and then David Lipsky with Aaron Rye. So do we want to tackle this Billy Horschel, Sam Burns situation first? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I'll start by saying this. Billy has been really good here, but his form over the last two years coming into this tournament has also been pretty good. But his form coming into this version is not good at all. So, I mean, I think if you're just completely leaning on, well, he's good in this format, he's good at this tournament. I, I think that's only half of the argument because at least he was coming in with pretty decent form over the last two years where he performed pretty well. Yeah, he was coming in in pretty great form. I mean, one yeah. was off the win at the match play. Then he got out of his group at the match play the following year. I mean, he's got top 25s leading in. What we're seeing in 2023 is probably the worst, uh, I don't know, 12 starts from Billy Horschel that we've seen in a long time. Worth noting that he is the only guy who has won this event as an individual and mm -hmm. part of a team. Um, I, I find Billy Horschel to be the most fascinating golfer in this field because we know he loves stuff like this. See it. Right? Yeah. He loves the match play. He loves these weird little like team events. He will be in Sam Burns ear as the biggest cheerleader all week. You know what I mean? Like he just thrives in this kind of situation, but 
this is a, basically the worst stat profile I could put together for a, for a guy. Yeah, it's it's bad, and that's why I'll probably lean away from it. If anything, especially since I'm going to be playing some Xander and uh, some Xander and Cantlay, I, like I like I like what I'm probably going to end up seeing with the projected ownership. I mean, we see it here, but I think JJ Spawn and Hayden Buckley, as much as I think that's an overprice. I mean, if, if they're going to be in the 10% or lower range, it's a nice offset to the extremely popular Xander play, Xander Cantley play, if that's where you want to go with it. I love I love how both of them have been playing. And by the way, we see the around the green game has been a super big problem here. But when you're when you're rotating, when you're alternating shots, you know, hopefully that can be mitigated by J.J. Spawn. Spawn has been good other than the putter last week. Yeah, and admittedly, when you need to get to like 30 under par or 28 under par, if you are tapping into your like around the green play, you are cooked anyway. It yeah. doesn't it doesn't even really matter. Also, I'm wearing the same outfit that Hayden Buckley is in his headshot. Have you noticed that? <laughs> Just the the black on black with like the white yes. outline of the hat. Hayden Hayden Buckley and I listen. This is a great stat profile. Even even through these these ugly miscuts that Buckley had, he was still a lead off the tee. That's a very very good sign that he did not lose his weapon. He's striping it again on the second shot. That's good to see. Like this has been very on brand for him outside of these, these three weeks, which were basically one round each where he lost a, a, a ton of strokes on approach. This has been very, very on brand. And I like to see that as a guy is working through some things. So I'm with you. Hayden Buckley is there. How about this Siwoo Kim Tom Kim team, right? Uh, obviously they're, they built that rapport at the, uh, the president's cup. These are two guys that I think most people can agree can get hot, can, can fire it up. I mean, what, what, I, I think they might be too popular for what else I like in this nine K range, but they're, they're certainly going to be a team that gets a lot of looks. Yeah. I mean, normally I'm a Tom Kim guy. I'm not really a Siwoo Kim guy. I don't play him often. This is one of those where Tom Kim against good competition, like ever since like after the fall swing, he hasn't been very good. But this might be what the doctor ordered because there's just not a lot of good teams for him to compete with. So I do think it's a pretty good pairing. I, For me, I'm probably going to, going to go down to Wyndham Clark and Hostler and J.J. Spawn and Buckley and just, and just hope for the best with the upside for them. But I don't have a problem with Tom Kim or Siwoo Kim. I just don't think I'm willing to play them. Wyndham Clark has been phenomenal. Wyndham Clark has been excellent. Um, yep. The the metrics are there. The fantasy points are there. Everything is there. No problem with that. This is, I, I mentioned it before, uh, Wyndham Clark has experience in this event. Bo Hosser has experience in this event, but this is the first time they're actually getting together. Um, it's not great stuff, but Wyndham finished 10th year last year and T17 in the year prior. I don't think Hostler has ever has ever made the cut. The other one that I think is a little bit interesting is the David Lipsky, Aaron Rye group. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, I have no idea see who is going to putt for this team. No, no idea. They're like, how do, how do they make putts? But Lipsky and Rye, they made a good run. This is their second year they've played together. They made a good run at this last year. They finished fourth. Aaron Rye, you know, you look at his results and I feel like he's actually played better than his results are showing, you know, that mm -hmm. T48 at RBC heritage, but wasn't he like the first or second round leader? I mean, he was in the mix very early in that tournament, the ball striking numbers. Leader. Yeah, the ball striking numbers are there. So I, I think this is kind of a sneaky little team that, um, you know, we pray to the golfing gods that any of them can roll the – either of them can roll the rock, but I think they're going to have plenty of opportunities. Uh, for the record, gave out Aaron Rye as a, quote, long shot first-round leader on the early wedge last week. So that came in at 100. Did he win it? Did he win it outright or did he dead, dead heat it? No, he won it outright. He passed Hovland. Uh, nice. Hovland looked like he was going to win it. And then two out of the last three holes, Aaron Rye picked up a birdie and, and got the outright. That was the um, the Friday morning conclusion, right? Exactly. Yes. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, the 8K range uh, is phenomenal. 
Uh, it's got a lot of storylines. And then we're going to get into some severe drop-off. But first, we are going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. The 8K range starts with Joel Damon and Denny McCarthy. It goes down to a pair of uh, teams at $8,000. Brandon Wu and Joseph Bramlett alongside Cheston Hadley and Ben Martin. Also worth noting, Sia, that there is uh, a pair of brothers in this range. One of them has just added a new piece of a wardrobe to his closet. That is Matt Fitzpatrick playing alongside brother Alex Fitzpatrick. So the 8K range is pretty interesting. Crazy that Matt Fitzpatrick won that in the sense that Jordan Spieth, I know you guys recap this, but I got to say, I, I saw Kyle Porter's tweet yesterday. He had a lot of great tweets uh, from that tournament. But the one where it looked like Spieth's ball was like, I don't know, a foot and a half from the hole. And it was like dead center. <laughs> it was just such a tough scene for me to see. I, I'm sure Jordan's still thinking about I, that. I think, if, I think it's just crazy to think that Jordan Spieth had two very good looks. I mean, bo both were inside 10 feet, I think, it, it, on the first two playoff holes. Two putts to win, like 10 feet and in, and he didn't make either of them, which is well, I mean, kind of surprising. A little bit, but you know, 10 feet isn't, I mean, that's not like an no. easy putt by any means, but the, the point really is for me is that they look like they were good putts. At least that one looked like it was dead center. It just, it just, that's gotta be such a sinking feeling. Yeah. The second one lacked a little pace. I think he read it right. I don't think he hit it. Yeah. Uh, the speed that he wanted to. Okay. How do we want to allocate our funds here in the $8,000 range? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of teams I have my eye, I'll, I'll mention, I don't know if I'm going to get up to Joel Damon and Denny McCarthy. And, and the reason I say that is because I'm likely going to flirt with some teams in the low 9K range. It's just probably not going to give me the ability to play this team. But I really like what I'm seeing with Denny McCarthy. And, and you know, what's interesting is Damon's been good other than the putter. So, you know, we got Denny to kind of cover him at least a little bit there. And Damon could potentially turn around the putter as well. So I, I like the ball striking from Denny as far as the putting. It hasn't been classic Denny, but yeah, we know he's a great putter. So I, I think that's a strong team. At the top. I, I have joked that like if you combine these two into one golfer, they'd be phenomenal, right? If, yeah. if Damon could just take the tee to green stuff and then Denny could just putt. And, and there is going to be a lot of strategy in that alternate shot format of getting Denny in as many birdie putt situations as possible, right? So you're mm -hmm. going to see, you're going to see Joel Damon, you know, they're going to try to script this where Joel Damon can hit the approach on as many par fours as possible and as many tee off on as many par threes as possible. I think, I think it's probably the odd number holes if I remember the scorecard correctly. And that's going to give Denny the chance to have those birdie looks. Now, the problem is, if they get off that script, right? You know, if, if Joel Damon misses a green and now it's a Denny McCarthy pitch to eight feet and it's Joel Damon doing the putting, this could go sideways quickly. But I think if they stay on script, this is a pretty a pretty valuable team at the top of the 8K range. I also kind of like this pairing for some reason. I, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I feel like, you know how, you know how Joel Damon, and we saw it on, on Netflix, He's just kind of ho-hum about like, you know, him winning and, you know, we'll see what happens. I feel like we might see a different personality from him because he has a partner that is leaning on him. That's just me kind of going in like yeah. to the super deep psychology, but I, I kind of like Damon in that spot. I, I also think it's a pretty comfy pairing. These two guys are both very, yeah. very easy to get along with. I don't think they're going to have, they're going to have any issues there. Okay. What else we got in the 8K range? So I'm going all the way down uh, to 8,200 and 8,000. Uh, okay. I really want to get your opinion on Matt Fitzpatrick and Alex Fitzpatrick because obviously we know what Matt's been doing over the last couple of tournaments. And I think there's kind of a psychological aspect to this one too, you know, playing almost for your brother, you know, kind of 
letting him play with you, but he hasn't been terrible in the European events that we've seen. No. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to kind of unwrap here. So this is, uh, this is kind of what Brooks Kepka and Chase Kepka did, right? You know, Brooks, Brooks brings Chase along. Chase doesn't have status anywhere in an attempt to, Hey, if you win the Zurich, all of a sudden Alex Fitzpatrick's got a two-year exemption on the PGA tour, right? Like a, just a massive opportunity to bring your bro along. I, I will say Alex Fitzpatrick is way better than Chase Kepka is. Yeah. Um, Alex Fitzpatrick, you know, a four-year player at, at Wake Forest. I think he was a, a Haskins award, uh, finalist his junior year. So that makes him what one of the top three college players he is i think he got up to fourth in the in the world amateur rankings he doesn't have status anywhere so you don't see him play a lot of like competitive owgr sanctioned events but when you do see him play he plays pretty well you know the stroke skate metrics that i have show that he's a very very good t to green player his short mm -hmm. game is stout enough and you obviously know that he and, and matt are going to have a great rapport the other thing is he did play a challenge tour event. Um, I think it was in India two weeks ago and finished T nine. Now say what you will about the challenge. So, I mean, the world of golf is deep as it is. I don't mind a guy who's coming off a, a T nine at a challenge tour event, healthy and young and a great star compared to like, when you go down and look at some of these other names in this field, like, like there are guys that should probably not be playing PGA tour events. Like Alex, Alex Fitzpatrick is not going to, be in a situation where it looks like he doesn't belong. So that's such a good point because once you get to like, I don't know, I'm just ballparking it, like the mid 8K range down or maybe the low 8K range down, there's always going to be like a bad situation. Either they're both bad or they're, or one guy's really has been playing really well and the other guy's just been playing extremely poorly. So when you look at Matt Fitzpatrick and Alex Fitzpatrick at 8,200, it actually seems like a value, even though the the Alex part is a, is a little speculative, but I actually like this one and I, I just love the cost of it too. Cause it allows me to grab, let's say Cantley and Xander, if I want to do that, allows me to grab a nine K team and it allows me to grab this team and still have a little bit of money left over to play. Yeah. He, Matt Fitzpatrick is like the third or fourth best player in this field. And yes. he is getting the absolute like guy that he trusts guy who certainly can play. Like anytime we've seen him play, he plays well. He just doesn't have status anywhere. There's a ton of guys who, who are, uh, good enough to be on tours that just don't have status. And, and, and Alex Fitzpatrick is certainly that guy. And so here's, here's one thing to point out though. They, they are going to be trending as popular because I think people yeah. agree with the sentiment that we're, we're going forward with, you know, in this case, it, it's, to me, it's a little harder to pivot when you, when you're doing a regular golf tournament, cause it's just one guy you have to pivot when you have to pivot from a team. To me, it's a little harder. My advice here is if you're going to eat the ownership on Matt and Alex, and it might get up to like 25%. I'm not exactly sure how this tournament's going to go from an ownership standpoint. My thought would be if you really like that team, play it and make sure you're pivoting one or two other places, especially maybe one place up top where you're not grabbing like a popular, like let's say it's Siwoo Kim becomes popular. Maybe you're going down to JJ Spawn and Hayden Buckley. Maybe you pick up some leverage there because this is a pretty high ownership percentage. Um, one of the teams we were talking about who I think is like mispriced, I think this Nick Taylor, Adam Hadwin team could have been a lot more expensive, you know, it's, they're, yeah, they're 8,500. They're very, very well-rounded and we know they have a great rapport. They do. It's the recent history that I think has them in that spot, but I don't disagree with you. I mean, Nick Taylor, let's see, that's not bad. 
That's the that's the that's the pale horse, right? I mean, there, this that. is this is about as good as it gets for Nick Taylor, right? I yeah. mean, it's 2023. He's got a T7 at Sony, a runner up in Phoenix, which he played great. He's made the cut at a couple of these, uh, or at least at one elevated event. I guess if you throw in Phoenix as well, he's uh, like th- th- that's that's about the ceiling for for Nick Taylor. Adam Hadwin has not been as good as right. you would expect him to be. He's he struggled a little bit as of late. He's missed two of his last three cuts. Didn't get out of his group at the match play. The metrics aren't aren't awesome so this is this is that question you know does this format uh free him up or does it put more pressure on him and i kind of question their ability to score their ability to just be birdie makers uh next to the to the teams around them but actually i I don't mind this pairing at all now that you mention it oh by the way the other pairing i like is um the guy that that i'm on kind of every week but he's paired with chesson hadley this time Mm -hmm. uh ben martin chesson i mean Justin's kind of one of those up and down guys. He can get hot here and there. We've seen it, but he's certain like the metrics aren't like speaking to me necessarily, but I don't mind this pairing. Yeah. Chesson again, it, like if, uh, if he has to lean on his short game or is around the green play, which is the worst, like uh, who cares? You're, you were, you were done anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's actually, I believe Ben Martin's best aspect of it. Oh no, he's a, he's a pretty, I'm thinking of, um, who's the guy who used to be the accountant that they talk about all the time. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? He's in this field. I think he's in this range. Ben Griffin, apologies. Oh. The other Ben uh, is an around the green stallion. Ben Martin has just been phenomenal. phenomenal. And like fire him up any chance that you can get. He, dude, he was like leading the RBC Heritage on Thursday before he finished his last three holes on Thursday were double bogey, double bogey, bogey. Well, it, it got it got worse. Um, I had a top forty bet on Ben Martin from from the early wedge actually, and he finished forty first because on those last three holes combined, I think I did quick math at the end of the tournament. I believe he was plus ten, like, like on sixteen, he, seventeen, and eighteen in, in ag- like wow in aggregate, it was plus ten. I mean, it's just <laughs> like if by the way he finished six under. Like if he was just decent on those holes, <laughs> not he only was he in top forty, even top fifteen. If he plays him at even par, he's like in the playoff. <laughs> exactly exactly sick sick world okay um i'm trying to think if there's anybody else in this ak range you know i i sometimes i get enamored with like somebody's elite skill set like a joseph bramlett driver but i'm not mm-hmm. sure uh, i i don't think i could i don't think i could get there i love taylor Moore, but matthew neesmith has been the yeah. worst version of himself we've ever seen so that's tough so i i think yeah i mean it's damon mccarthy taylor hadwin the Fitzpatrick's and then, yeah, I don't mind Hadley Ben Martin as much, but this is a, it's a pretty little interesting range. I agree. Yeah. Seven K range, uh, secrets out on these two at the top, Thorborn Olison and, and, and Nikolai Hoygaard. They're $7,900 along with Victor Perez and Thomas Dietrich. The $7,000 teams include Kevin Tway and Kelly Kraft, Robert Streb and Troy Merritt, Sam Saunders and Eric Cole. So, uh, what do you want to do here in this range? See ya. This is a tough range for me. I found myself in the few lineups I've already generated uh, kind of living in the lower end of this range. Like, for example, two teams I'll tell you that I, that I kind of like, Trey Mullinax and Scott Stallings and Ben On and S.H. Kim. I actually like the value and upside for both of those teams. Yeah, the Ben On team is pretty interesting. So one thing that I noticed is uh, notoriously horrible putter Benny On, which I'm not kidding. He was like for five years the worst putter on the PGA Tour. In 2023 is a small positive putter, which mm-hmm. might as well be for him the best putter on the face of the earth. And he drives it long, which is a valuable skill set. 
He can get hot. And then SH Kim's pretty well-rounded. He's just like an above average to above average PGA tour player, which in this field is, is like perfect. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. He can get hot from T to green. He can putt. Well, doesn't have a, a super big strength. Doesn't have a super big weakness. I, I think that's a pretty, a pretty solid team. Who was the other one that you liked? It was at 7,400. It was, it was Mullinax installing, uh, Mullinax you know, Mullinax hasn't been good as of late, but I, I like the profile here. Um, I, I think we can get some scoring from him potentially on the par fives and just have him be a birdie maker Stallings, by the way, not bad. He's he's kind of like kind of like I think this is probably going to be pale. Yeah, but this is solid for Scott Stallings. This isn't bad. He's gaining here and there, ball striking, gaining with the short game here and there. Um, I think this is a team that has some upside when you consider their price. Uh, I mentioned the Olsen Hoygaard group. Uh, these are just two guys that you know do their damage a lot on the European tour. Both have played phenomenal. They're they're mispriced and mm-hmm. everybody's figured it out. You know they're they're going to be they're going to be fairly popular. Um, this bottom end, I, I found myself looking down here as well. There's this Eric Cole, Sam Saunders yeah. team. So mm-hmm. Eric Cole, we saw him obviously pop at the uh, Honda Classic. He finished second, but he, he's he's played decently well since then. And we we know his, his metrics are generally pretty good. I'm pretty sure these guys are like childhood friends. I'm pretty sure they go back a long time, Sam Saunders and and, and Eric Cole. And, and Saunders, I don't know what his status situation is because he's only played five times in 2023 and all of them have been on the Corn Ferry Tour. But if you want volatility, he's got three missed cuts this year and two top fives. And the last top five, his fifth place finish was last week. So... I don't know, man. Maybe they find a little bit of magic playing together. Saunders can carry what he found last week at the Veritex Bank Championship and and try to go from there. Yeah, that was. There were two other teams that I had my eye on. I, I don't know ultimately if I'm willing to go to Sam Saunders and Eric Cole, but that was one of the teams that I liked. And the other team that I wanted to potentially speculate on in some of my lineups was Ryan Palmer and Scott Piercy um, at 7,700. Um, with Palmer, the ball striking has been actually okay. Um, short game's been bad, and uh, Piercy also bad with the short game, but decent ball striking. These two have both won this event, but not together, if I remember correctly. So Palmer won it with John Rahm, I believe, and Piercy won it with Billy Horschel, and then Billy moved on to Sam Burns, and John Rahm doesn't play this event anymore. So I guess they partnered up. Kind yeah, of so Ryan was like, well, what's the next best thing next to John Rum? Oh, Scott Piercy. Let's do that. There is probably uh, not, a, you know, I'm, I'm just like a- actually guessing, probably not another group outside of Cantlay and Xander that have both won this event that are playing together. How about that for a fun fact? Now we're talking. Because they've only played up. this five times as teams. So mm-hmm. interesting. Okay. Um Anybody else in the 7K range? I don't think so. I mean, it is worth noting, as we see here on YouTube, that I'm actually kind of shocked by this, but that Mullinex and Stallings are approaching 20% and Ben on and SH Kim approaching 30%. So I think that's something everybody should be aware of. Yeah, everybody figured out Benny on and SH Kim. The other thing is, um, who, who is going to putt for Luke List and Henrik Norland? <laughs> they are like the two worst putters on the tour. That's yeah, hilarious. that's not great. Yikes. Uh, there are some interesting, like, I mean, not in terms of playing them, but like Luke Donald and, and Eduardo Molinari, not Francesco, Eduardo Molinari. I, I think that they should have to submit, like, how did you two 
get together. Obviously, those guys make a lot of sense from like European tour stuff, and they're probably buddies. But there are some very, very random ones that have me scratching my head. Can you look up? Can you pull up Davis Thompson's profile real quick? Yeah. There's a few teams in that mid seven uh, K range that I think are at least interesting, including um, Akshay's team. But yeah, okay. Not the great. approach play has just been so bad. Yeah, I can cut him some slack for losing 10 strokes on approach at the players because he probably hit a couple of water balls, but he's mm-hmm. lost multiple strokes on approach in four straight and five of six, which is not good. But the the alternative there is that he's gained with the putter three of the last four and he's good off the tee, which is something where you know, you're probably from a scoring standpoint, you're probably going to want to look for here. So I think that that team is kind of a, a sneaky pivot. Yeah, I don't mind it. Here's Akshay's pro. He's playing with Harry Hall, right? Mm-hmm. Harry Hall or Harry Higgs? Hall. Oh, he's playing with Harry Hall? Yeah. Oh, shoot. I thought he was playing with Harry Higgs. Um, here's Harry Hall's profile. Why does he look like he's 95 years old? <laughs> what is that? What are you doing? <laughs> he plays out of TPC Summer. <laughs> I'm going I'm to tell him you said that. <laughs> I think I saw him in Gone with the Wind. <laughs> it's a tough hat. He's got to lose the hat. <laughs> it's tough. Um, he's playing pretty good. Missed the cut at the Valspar. Other than that, five made cuts in a row. T7 at Puerto Rico. T13 at Punta Cana. T28 at Valero. He's very, very reliant on the short game, which makes him hard to like project accurately. But I, for whatever, my brain was thinking Harry Higgs. And I was like, oh, I hate that team. But Akshay and Harry Hall is a lot better. Yeah, Higgs is down in the 6K range. Yeah. I think this team right here and the Will Gordon Davis Thompson team are pretty decent pivots because they're just yeah. not popular. Actually, yeah, I, I, my, my brain malfunctioned there. Wow. Okay, I got a new, I've got a new lease on the Akshay team. <laughs> Love that. All right, six K. Th- this is where, like, I mean, it's, it's pretty tough, right? Like, we have 160 golfers. You don't have a ton of top tier guys, and because you have guys who can basically, I'm pretty sure the, the bar's pretty low on who you can have as your partner, right? Like, I don't think you have to have status anyway. I think you just have to be like a professional. I mm-hmm. don't know what the what the rule is, but you will see some of these guys have grabbed partners that are not necessarily PGA Tour quality. In fact, if you look at the teams, and there's a bunch of them in the set, in the 6K range, uh, and aggregate their strokes gained over the last 36 rounds, there are only two teams, or excuse me, three teams that are gaining strokes. Everyone else, everyone else is losing. So it's a very, very poor uh, tier of golfers uh, that I now ask you to pick the best out of. (laughs) This is one of the first times where it's so hard for me to come up with anybody. What I'm marveling at is, okay, well, who are the 6K teams that are like in the 4 to 6% range? And and we see them here. Uh, I don't really love any of those teams. So, I mean, if if I'm happy – like. Michael Kim and Sung Yul No is interesting to me. Uh, you know, McGreevy and, and Stevens are interesting to me mostly because of the Stevens side of that. Mm-hmm. I don't really like anything here. I'm, I'm trying, I mean, believe it or not, I mean, I almost, Nick Watney and Charlie Hoffman, I don't absolutely hate. Brandon Matthews and Sean O'Hare, I don't absolutely hate. But Knox and Stewart, I don't absolutely hate. But these are teams, I don't think I'm dipping into the 6K range. Uh, I think, I think to your other point, uh, if you're going to, you should like, this is where you should pivot a little bit, right? I mean, not that anybody's super highly owned, but maybe instead of playing a 5% Max McGreevy, you could play a half a percent somebody else. You know what I mean? Cam mm-hmm. Percy, Greg 
Chalmer. I mean, maybe that's not the team, but you get my point. Like, like I, I think these are all bad teams. So I might as well get a little bit of leverage and find a team that's like sub 1% if they get hot. Can can we just please pull up Nick Watney's profile? I just I feel like I have to see it because Charlie Hoffman at 6,300 does seem like I know he hasn't been good either, but I'm just curious. You you oh asked boy. for this. Yeah. Remember oh that you asked for this. I need sunglasses. Uh that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of his last nine missed cuts, and not particularly close. He did make the cut at the Puerto Rico Open. He finished T57. Well, T11 at the Butterfield in 2022. He is well-dressed. I like his uh, sweater yep. combination there. All right. But seriously, I think that, um, yeah, like I love Sam Stevens, hate Max McGreevy. Like Augusto Nunez, don't particularly like Fabian Gomez. Like Paul that's, a, that's an interesting team, though. The Nunez-Gomez team is interesting. Let's me. look at – I don't even know how much Fabian's playing. I mean, yeah, oh, he play, like he hasn't played since July. Like he's like retired, right? He's like – uh, like what happened here? What that's that's weird that he would even partner with somebody that he hasn't played on the tour. Nunez so has been good. Like he could have found. Yeah. Let me just check and make sure. Like Gomez might have been playing events that are. Like let me see here. I I don't know. Yeah, this is this is bizarre. It's very very bizarre. Um, the other one I thought there was. You mentioned them. Oh, Michael Kim and Sung Yil No. Sung Yil No's been better. Michael Kim's been okay. They are statistically, over the last 36 rounds, the best team in the 6K range. It's not particularly close. I'm not saying that they're good. They're gaining about a quarter of a stroke per round, so it's not nothing to, to write home about. But they are statistically the best team in this range. The other teams that are gaining are Percy Chalmers, Harrison Endicott, and Aaron Baddeley, and then Tano, Goya, and Trevor Wormelow. Um, Chad Ramey and Martin Trainer at 6,200. I don't know that I hate that one. Ramey's been better than I think people want to give him credit for because he was also in the mix at an alternate field event recently. I feel like, yeah. Um, what was I picturing? Was it oh, was it Punta Cana? Oh, yeah, he was gaining strokes to Punta Cana, then he withdrew. I don't know if that was an injury, but he's missed two cuts since, which is a little bit worse. Uh, who's, his, who's his partner? Unfortunately, it's Martin Trainer. Oh boy, this part might even be worse. Nice short game for Ramey, though. Oh, boy. Uh, it's, it's a lot of missed cuts, but he, at least he mixes in some top 25s. Yeah, I've seen worse. I, yeah. I, like, you know, at 6,200, I don't hate it. I would prefer this than seven straight T64s. Yes. Just either miss the cut or finish 19th. Mm -hmm. hmm. All right. Not particularly pretty. So, yeah. uh, but we will now... We have strokes gain narrative lineups. Is that correct? We have a few. We have three. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, we are now going to suspend logic and reason, and we are going to have a little bit of fun here. So uh, the strokes gain narrative portion of the show allows you, the listeners, to submit lineups that are built on, honestly, whatever you want. Some type of narrative, and we have seen some pretty creative ones over the years. So uh, Josh hit me with said lineups. I have not seen these yet. Okay. Mike. What has Mike done here? So because Zurich insurance company, so he's done like insurance related uh, occupations or, or words. I, okay. Okay. I think I'm, I think I'm following here. So, okay. <laughs> 
So Denny McActuary. McActuary. Actuary Denny McCarthy, right? Mm-hmm. Add Justor Sub, an adjuster, Justin mm-hmm. Sub. Okay. Vince Agent Norman. Vincent Norman. Got it. Okay. 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 I'm following. So insurance, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> P at fault, can't lay. At fault, can't lay. Pat fault, can't lay. Okay. Uh, collision Morikawa. Uh, wow. Okay. I see where he's going with this. This is actually, this is actually, this is actually over my head. These are pretty good. So it's Brendan Todd, but it's Brett endorsement Todd and Chad. Speaking of Chad call insured Chad Collins shirt. Whew. That, that is was tough. That you is going to skip. You can skip by that one if you wanted to, but because that was tough. But I'm glad you read it. That, that was, you know, it's pretty clever by Mike. Just because it's very clever, and just because it is out of my uh, comfort zone. I mean, I should. I mean, this, these are these are. Yeah, that was a very well thought out lineup. Mm-hmm. This next one's good too, from Ryan. Ryan, the fantasy bunker, says, "I also noticed a few iconic duos in the field this week." Oh, I see what he's done. So iconic. Duos, Harry Hall and Oates. Pretty good. Uh, okay. Richich and Chung Warinsky. Richich and Chung Warinsky. Richie Warinsky. Cheech and Chung. Kevin Twain and Garth with the rock on emoji, right? That's right. Sherlock, Max Homas, and Dr. Watson with the magnifying glass emoji. Sonny and Sharon Rye. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. And then finally, our last iconic duo. Scott, Pierce C3PO, and R2, D2. But um bump bump Well done, Ryan. This is from Byron, Model I, Maniac. I, I was going to say, I don't, have, I don't know who this is from. Yeah. Okay, okay, Model Maniac. Says, I went rogue and put together a famous duos. Okay, so I think Ryan was then replying, got it, got it, got it. Yep. Okay, famous duos, strokes gain narrative for the first cup pod and see in a shot. Hmm. And for the record, he, he photoshopped each duo. So if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see his oh, uh, creativity here. That is actually helpful for me. Got it. So you can click. Wow, he really did Photoshop each one of these pairs as their famous duo. So uh, that helps me here. So this is actually Dylan Woody and Justin Buzz Lauer, Woody and Buzz Lightyear, mm-hmm. and they are Photoshopped together. That is uh, that is Justin Lauer as Buzz Lightyear carrying Dylan Woody, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Ricky Bobby Shelton. And Lee Cal Rogers. Pretty well done. Oh, boy. Uh, Jonas Asterblix and David Obolingmurth. I have no idea who, who that either. is supposed to be. Okay. Nick Hardy and Davis Riley, a.k.a. the Hardy Boys. That one's easy. Tom and Jerry Kim. Mm. And the Blues <laughs> Brothers, a.k.a. Matt and Alex Fitz. We have some very creative listeners here. Solid. 
Good stuff. More, more creative than I could ever be, but they are indeed creative. Thank you for submitting your strokes game narrative lineups. If you want to participate next week, which is the Mexico Open, uh, you can submit them and tag Sia, tag first cut, and use the hashtag SG narrative. That's right. Have I missed anything? Uh, you haven't told us who's going to win this week. Honestly, dude, like I know this is like very boring. It's probably just going to be Patrick and Xander. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Like I like I like I mean probably not because it is so weird and crazy and uh, like I said, if they make nine birdies each, that could be really good or a below average round, right? Like it just depends on what holes they're doing it on. But they are they're the gold standard for this. I I think that um, if they don't win, I do think it's kind of hard. So we didn't really even talk about this, but I, I think a team who has played together before will win. Um, you know, we saw Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland play together last year and they were the favorites and it was like, they're going to absolutely run away with this thing. They're the two of the top seven players in the world. They didn't play well. I mean, they made the mm -hmm. cut. I think they, I don't know what they finished in the twenties or thirties. I, I think, I think experience is pretty important. So a team, if it's not Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley, it'll be a team that has played together. Yeah. It's, it's hard to justify taking any, anyone other than, than them, other than, you know, Colin and Max. I feel, I feel like it's between those two, to be honest with you. If I'm betting it, I'm probably betting Colin and Max because it's three times the price of, of Cantley and Xander. If it's not those guys, um, I think that uh, I will say I think the Taylor Montgomery, Kurt Kitayama team is kind of interesting. They are I, I know that they're, they're two Vegas guys. They they know each other very well. They play together a lot. Montgomery has a good skill set because he can putt and he can hit it far. And then Kurt Kitayama, I mean, has won a designated event this year and he's very well rounded and can get hot like that. That team is kind of interesting, but I. It's really hard to pull the trigger on anybody else. At the time. I, I think I might put like literally like a few bucks on Matt and Alex Fitzpatrick just because mm. the story is so great or it would be so great if they won. Alex Fitzpatrick might be like the 27th best player in this field. Like that's not you might have the fourth best player in the field and the 27th best player in this field. Right. I don't think that that's that crazy. We simply don't know. We don't know what his upside is. So you might be right. All right. Uh, big thanks to everyone for bearing with us and, and uh, sticking around on a Tuesday morning and the fan selection for the one and done that link to get your vote in. Uh, it's in the description. We're going to do the mega preview pod at 5 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. Big thanks to producer Josh doing all the hard work behind the scenes. See Najad available on Twitter at see And you can find me at Rick run. Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.